So a conscious parent is one who's constantly looking at their reactions, their baggages that we, you know, or our baggage that we have carried from the past that and making sure that we are not dumping those onto our children. Have you ever wondered what makes the difference between those couples who absolutely love to be together and the ones who merely tolerate each other in their old age? Hi, I'm Monica Tanner, wife to a super hunky man, mom to four kids, relationship coach, and intimacy expert. My goal with this podcast is to help you and your partner swap resentment for romance, escape the roommate rut, and nurture a bond built on trust, communication, and unconditional love. Each week, I'm sharing the secret strategies that keep couples madly in love, dedicated, and downright giddy about each other from the honeymoon phase to the golden years. I'm on a mission to crack the code of happily ever after, and I'm sharing those juicy secrets right here because an awesome marriage makes life so much sweeter. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to the Secrets of Happily Ever After podcast. I'm so excited about my guest today. My friend Sapnarad is an absolute expert on the connection between parents and children, whether it's young children or teenage children. She understands how to keep that connection strong and go from yelling to zenning, which is the title of her best-selling book. So I thought with back to school and all the craziness of fall activities, it would be fun to have her on the show to talk to us about how to keep our connection with our children strong, even in super busy times. Hello, and welcome back to the Secrets of Happily Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Monica Tanner, and I'm really, really excited to introduce you to my good friend today, Sat Narad. She is a conscious parenting expert. Conscious parenting is a powerful and rare blend of Western psychology and Eastern wisdom, and it lends to deep healing and awakening, motivated to understand the roots of human suffering. Sabna now helps parents develop the deepest bond with themselves and others around them so they wake up every morning with less worry and more joy. Trained in NLP, EFT, psychology, wisdom teaching, and mindfulness, she helps parents and caregivers around the globe to connect before they can correct. Sapna is the author of the book, Yelling to Zenning. In this book, Sapna will show you how to access the tools to turn inward, reflect, learn communication skills, break patterns, and use easy tools to create a change that will catapult your connection with your children and those around you. Welcome, Sapna. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. Thank you. Yes. Well, I think that was a great introduction, but is there anything else you would like the listeners to know about you personally before we dive into your area of expertise? What I would like parents to know that this has been a up and down ebb and flow of parenting. When people say an expert, I don't want people to think that, oh, she has got it or she's done it. It's still an ebb and flow. It's a struggle, but I have the tools now. I have the tools, the strategies that that just makes things easy for me. And so I just like people to have those tools and make life easier for themselves. 
Yeah, I totally get that because I feel the same way about my expertise in marriaging. It's not that I have it all figured out. It's that I'm obsessed with figuring it out and I'm willing to share the like really hard fought lessons that I've learned so that other people don't have to suffer as long and as hard to to like learn the things that I've learned, right? <laughs> Perfect. That's so true. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Well, tell me how you started like getting into all this parenting stuff. Like tell us your origin story. Cause this is a really interesting area of expertise that we all, you know, have questions about, but how did you get so obsessed with, with conscious parenting? So when I had my son, he's 16 now, but when he, when he was born, I was told that I would intuitively know how to raise a child. Oh, you're a mother. You will know I didn't know. And I felt like something was wrong with me for not knowing. And I had this story running in my head before he was even born that I thought parenting is about, I'm going to carry him, him, her, uh, and we're going to have matching outfits. Uh, we are going to have fun day and I'm everybody's going to come and cuddle my child and say how cute he or she is. I thought this was parenting, Monica. Can you imagine that? And once he was born, I was changing his clothes to match my outfit. And the very next second, he would throw up on it. And I'm like, I just changed your clothes. And now you have to change your clothes. (laughs) It was, I felt like I was losing it. This somehow something was wrong with me because I was told I was supposed to know. And I was like, I'm going to, like you say, you know, I'm going to figure this thing out because nothing is more important for mothers than their kids. And then when I went on my journey, there were more how-to books, but it was more about how do I put him to sleep or how do I make him eat? But I was getting all stressed out and none of the parenting books talked about my mother's stress, which was spewing Mm. onto my child and it was very palpable. And I knew I had to do something about it. So I went on this quest really. To, I went on reading, I started listening, I needed to figure this out. And conscious parenting was the tool that really resonated with me, that led to my own healing and created that bond with my child. So now I don't have to worry about correction so much. Once I'm connected, correction just flows. Hey there, I just want to remind you that the doors to the Passionate Marriage Club are now open. The Passionate Marriage Club is an elite membership for couples who are ready to up-level and learn the skills required to communicate, connect, resolve conflict, and commit to living their happily ever after love story. For less than a dollar a day, you're joining other powerhouse couples who know that the key to success is taking massive imperfect action. If you'd like more details, go to www.secretsofhappilyeverafter.com backslash club. I guarantee you do not want to be left wondering what if I had just checked it out. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Oh, that's so good because I think... Yeah. The how to's like we get really caught up in the how to's, but we forget that we're modeling all the time, you know, our level of stress. I remember learning that, uh, with like that my children were watching me because as a stay at home mom, I remember thinking in my mind, like, I am so above this. Like, why am I picking up crusty macaroni and cheese off the ground. Like certainly I went to college, like I'm educated, like this shouldn't be my life. 
And I realized that that attitude was flowing onto my kids, that they could see that I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And certainly they could be, you know, internalizing that as to I'm not enjoying them. And so I quickly realized that my mindset, like I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. I'm right here enjoying every moment, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I love, you know, the the bigger picture of what I'm doing, not the picking up the macaroni and cheese, but showing them that picking up macaroni and cheese is an important, valuable part of this whole experience with them, right? That is so true. And I share one of my stories uh, in my book, Monica, where my child, I think he was three or four and I had just started to potty train him. And somehow I had this queued up idea in my brain that you should get it the first few times. Like, where did I get this idea of perfection? And every time he was uh, having an accident, I was turning into this raging monster. Like, you know, like it's beneath me to help him. Some kind of egoic, you know, idea about this. And that led to me yelling. And one time, I, I still remember this so vividly. I finished my work and there was absolute silence in the house, you know, when you have a, you know, really young child and there's silence, there's something wrong. And I go and look for him. He's in the bathroom. He had had an accident and he was trying to fix it himself without my knowledge. I was baffled. I'm like, this child is scared to come to me. He should be coming to me for help. But he didn't want to upset me. He didn't want to... That is so heartbreaking to me, even if I think now, uh, why was my four-year-old taking care of me, of my emotions, while I should be helping him figure that out? And that was one of my aha moments or like, you know, process uh, moments that I needed to fix my yelling. That's another route to. (laughs) That's so good. Well, let's dive into that because. You talk about um, the myth of parenting, and I would love to hear what that is. Like, what is the myth of parenting? There are so many myths that we have bought into from our culture, from our upbringing. So because we of the lack of time, I will give you two myths today and people can go to my website and download my starter conscious parenting starter kit. And I have jotted down everything. They have everything available. So to start with the two major myths, we believe, Monica, the first one is there are good and bad kids. Now, who is a good child? Somebody who doesn't rattle the cage too much, who keeps us comfortable. Anybody who makes us uncomfortable in certain way, we call them quote unquote bad. And somebody who keeps the, who doesn't stir the pot too much is called a good, good kid. So when we constantly label them good and bad, they buy into these stories and they start internalizing that, calling themselves or thinking themselves to be good and bad. And that shows up in their behavior. So these are some of those root reasons for those behaviors that show up later on in life. That's one myth. Second, the parent thinks the parent needs to be in control. For example, you walk into a store, like for me, my child was afraid of big spaces. So if I took him to a Walmart or a Costco, he would have a big tantrum. And I, in my egoic mind, I would think, oh my gosh, now people are going to think I'm the bad parent. I don't know how to control my child's reaction. I was more worried about people looking at me and my child rather than wondering why 
is my child having a tantrum for no reason? What's happening with him? So that is another shift we need to make. Looking into those ideas, those myths we have bought into, that's going to help us release those myths so we can see our child for who it is they are. So that's a really good point. Can you talk about the difference between being like a conscious parent and one who is in control? Because I think we, a lot of us think we're supposed to be in control. We're the parent, right? We're bigger. We know more. Like we should be in control of the situation. So what is that difference between conscious parenting and controlling parenting? So a conscious parent is one who's constantly looking at their reactions, their baggages that we, you know, or our baggage that we have carried from the past that and making sure that we are not dumping those onto our children. Somebody who has done their inner work and who's constantly working on themselves. Because you see, my son is a teenager now. And when he asks me for something, and if I, I'm from yelling, he says, you can just tell me, no, why do you have to yell? I pause and think, yeah, I could have said no, not right now or later on. But if there's a charge inside me, if there's something that's unhealed, that comes out as yelling and that can break connection. Maybe he would stop coming to me or stop asking me and he would you know, problem solve by himself. And that's not what I want. I want him to come to me. So for that, I need to connect first. And why am I not connecting? Because there's a block there and there's a there's some kind of a story going on, some kind of a belief that's blocking. So I need to look into that. A conscious parent is one who's constantly working on themselves. That does not mean that they allow their child to do whatever they want. So people constantly get confused between that. They think a conscious parent is somebody who lets their child do whatever they want. No, it's not about that. Conscious parent has the strength and the courage and the knowledge and the wisdom to draw boundaries to know the difference between their egoic agenda and your child's highest, highest well-being, to draw those boundaries, to hold them. So all these tools and strategies a parent, conscious parent knows. Traditional parent, and this is not to say that they are wrong in any way or it's not about uh, putting anybody around. It's about saying that we are unaware. It's just about not being aware of how our egoic agenda can disrupt that connection with our child and then we end up thinking something is wrong with our child or maybe us or maybe a relationship and that can show up so we are aware in conscious parenting we are aware we have the tools we have the skills we have the strategies to constantly focus on connection mm, i love that i i mean all relationships are, are based around connection so let's dive into that so if we talk about children of, of younger ages, how can we establish a really strong foundation of connection with our younger children? Yeah, this 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 is a stage that is really, really, you know, hard. I wouldn't say hard, but it requires, it demands so much of the parents. And because the parents cannot see the long arc that how soon children grow out of it or become big, it's it becomes a little bit overbearing for the parent because now they have to and also, before I go into that, we have bought into these stories, right? We have to have the perfect house. We have to have, look a certain way. We have to do this. We have to do that. All this pressure these young parents carry, my gosh, it's, it's, it breaks my heart to see the parents that we have to have the perfect meal for the child. The child should be, you know, taken care of and slept well, and we should be working on ourselves. Now, self-care, you have to work out and all these things. I would 
tell parents of young children is to f- pick one or two things and just focus on them. They're sleeping. Are they sleeping well? Are they eating? Just some basic things rather than putting, piling more stuff on ourselves, sleeping, eating, connection or playing with their, you know, are they good with their environment, self-care? That's it. Just two or three things. That would release more of you know, time for them. They would feel good about themselves, about their child, and they will have more time for the connection. Two things. I would say three things. Sleeping, eating, and cleanliness. You know, are they having their shower? That's it. (laughs) So simplify is what I hear you saying. Just really simplify that stage. Like only do a few things. It doesn't, you don't have to conquer the world while you have young children. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So good. All right, let's talk about teenagers. I have a house full of teenagers now. I have one who's graduated and moved on and I have three teenagers in my household all about to start school right now. So I'm thinking constantly to myself, have I connected with my kids today? (laughs) How do we connect with teenagers? Yeah, teenagers are a different species. Let me tell you that. They are completely different species. They Silence is one tool I give my parents who have teenagers, that is one of the biggest tools and um, strategy they can use with their child because so many things are going on with uh, teenagers. Their bodies are changing. Their social social status becomes important to them. Suddenly they are venturing into the world, trying to explore their freedom and sovereignty, right? So they are and for parents, for us, because they've been so close to us physically and emotionally, suddenly letting go becomes a little bit hard. Now they don't want to talk to us. And that for parents who have spent so much time, mothers especially, if they spend a lot of time in the child's world, suddenly, well, I went through this. Suddenly for me, it was very hard that my child doesn't want to talk to me. And I was trying to cling and hold on. And that was creating more disconnection. But then I had to read my book again. So So it's again about becoming conscious. Okay, he's going through a stage. She's, they're going through a stage. How can I support? How can I partner with them? That is one of the tools that's helped me. Like um, if they're in different classes, how can I partner? Can I, uh, you know, help them make that meal, that one meal that would make their uh, life easier, a breakfast would that make their life easier? Bring their, not in, I'm not talking in terms of um, entitled, making them entitled. But one thing, if you can pick, if they're playing a game, you can talk about the game that they like the most. What happened? Did you win that score? Did you get that score? You know, just going into their world will help you connect with them. Just one thing, um, if you can pick and that's, that is a big change. You might think, oh, what's the big deal? But it's one, that's a big a big change in their life. Yeah. Something that I has, uh, I learned really the hard way, I think, but has really helped me with my teenagers is just being available to them. Because when I push for the relationship, they typically push me away. But if I'm just available for them, like I find if I'm lingering around where they are when they're eating or, you know, like if I'm just there when they get home from school, then sometimes they'll open up to me. Like they'll just see me because I'm there and I'm a soft place to land, you know, but typically if I have too many opinions or if I'm trying too hard to talk to them, it's easy for them to push me away. But if I can just be available and a listening ear, 
it's like magic. <laughs> That's the key. Listening ear. We have to put on our listening ear and, you know, just listening. You have this small tool, Monica, you have no idea uh, how important it is when you have a teenager. Just listening. They want to be heard because all day they're being told you do this, you do that. And they're, they have to listen to their teachers, their friends. They have to put up at home when they let loose and they can be themselves. Oh my God. They want to spend more time with you now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They could just be themselves and you don't have a lecture ready to give. And yeah, so important. So I think for the people listening to this podcast, it would be most helpful to talk about how to work with your partner to implement some of this conscious parenting, because I mean, couples come to me all the time. And one of the biggest things they disagree about is parenting. Like one parent wants to do it one way and one parent wants to do it another way. You're disagreeing over curfews or bedtimes or whatever the case may be. How do you think that conscious parents can work together to really show a unified front? Yeah. Conscious parenting starts with one parent, one conscious parent first. Because you have to believe in this process and then you have to sell it to your partner, sort of, you know, like, see, this is working because of this. This was when you buy into, like, let's say your favorite fruit, you love it so much. Why do you love it so much? You know, once you buy into that, then you can say, you try it. Oh my God, this is so good, right? This is what we all do. When we like something, we want to share. And when the partner see that sees that this is actually working, they're going to start trying. And it's about First, having that communication with your partner before you bring it to your child, like about curfew, like you said, what works for you? Why doesn't this work for you? Having that open conversation without becoming defensive. Now, if you think, oh, I should be right and wrong again, the ego shows up there. Um, then it's not about your child anymore. It's about becoming, being right or wrong. Um we need to look into that. It's more about the relationship with the spouse, not about the child. Um, and that's where you come in, Monica. I know. <laughs> yes. Spouses connect. So that's where it starts before it comes to your child. Yeah. And the see, the real secret is the secret that you, that, you know, people don't really understand. It's not even about the parenting. It's actually about the dynamic of the couple, right? So parenting is just something to fight about, but it's not usually the root cause of anything. Usually when you can get to that dynamic piece of it in the relationship, then it doesn't matter what you're disagreeing about. You usually can come to some great collaboration, but something that I think is really, really important is supporting each other, right? So I think that my husband has a really great relationship with my girls. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, I wish I had that relationship with my girls, but I'm really grateful that my husband has it. And I have a really great relationship with my boys. So luckily we have two boys, two girls, you know, it works out great. But how could couples really support each other in strengthening in their attempts to strengthen their connection with their children, right? So like, what could I do to support my husband in his connecting with the, you know, there's multiple children in our household, right? So he has a really good connection with some of them and some of them he struggles. Um, do you have any advice for how to support each other in creating really strong connections with each child? Well, I love that what you guys are doing, Monica. Clearly, you know, this is working, this is not working. And you are focusing more on what is working. Like 
as you said, you know, he has a good connection with your daughters. You have a good connection with your son. So you're not, you know, your space now, this is working for me. And you allow him to have that connection with your daughters without interrupting too much. Or, you know, if he needs help, you're already displaying that. But again, if it comes up as to, oh, okay, I'm, you need to listen to me because I don't feel heard. If our needs are going to show up in the relationship, that's again going to spill over to our children. Having those communication, using those I statements instead of blaming the other, yelling at the other, you know, having those tools ready and being ready before the event. Like if you're planning something, having those strategies, you know, last time when we went to that park, this, this, this happened. I want to have the conversation being ready before the event. That is a little bit helpful. So you can have all the, like you have your basket ready for the picnic. You have all your tools ready. Yes. I love that. And I think too, is the communication between partners is really important. So a lot of times I try to explain to my husband, like, here's what I'm trying to do with the girls. Like, here's what I'm trying to teach them or show them or something like that. And so, you know, I ask for his support, like, can you help me kind of teach them this principle or can you back me up here? I know it's not a popular opinion, you know, like, uh, my daughter just recently, she's 17 and a couple of times we let her go work out at the gym really late at night with some buddies. And now she thinks she just has carte blanche at like midnight. She can go work out at the gym. And I'm like, this is not safe. But, you know, so I don't, I, I didn't want her to make a habit out of it. And so I asked my husband, I'm like, hey, can, this is not a popular opinion. She's not going to like it. She's going to think I'm a big jerk and I'm trying to ruin her whole summer. And, you know, how can you, you know, be so mean and blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, can you back me up here? Because I really feel strongly that she shouldn't be, you know, doing this on a regular basis. And so I think that really helps. That's so cool. And Parents often, when we don't have the tools, like I would have done this, if I don't have the tools, I would have said, because I said so. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't work. You need to have the reasons. Again, when we come from an egoic place, because I said so, I'm the parent, the hierarchy, the top-down approach, our boundaries will be a bit wishy-washy. We don't have the power and the strength to have that boundary. But when we are very clear, like you said, you know, it's for your safety and I'm your parent. It's my primary job to keep you safe. You know, your child's safety is the top priority. That's the most important thing. It's not about your ego. We are able to draw those boundaries and communicate with your child and the spouse. But we are often, we are scared to put that boundary. We are scared our spouse won't like it. Our child will not like us. Our child is going to say, I hate you. Yes. But <laughs> makes out makes us back out of those boundaries or question our authority there. So again, it comes back to doing that inner work. Yeah. I've learned to be okay with my children telling me they hate me. It's always a passing, maybe because I have one who's like, you know, graduated and moved on and he now appreciates me so much that I can be like, okay, you guys can hate me for a couple of years. You'll grow up and appreciate me at some point. (laughs) But that's a hard lesson to learn as a parent too. Cause like, oh, the first time your kid says they hate you, it's like, oh, (laughs) takes great courage. Get to hear those words and still love your child. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so hard. So many things. So 
so here's my question that I ask all my guests. If you had the undivided attention of all the parents in all the world for just a few minutes, what's the most important thing you could teach them about connecting with their children? I would ask them about their first thing about their childhood. You know, the clients who come to me, and I'm sure your clients as well, they talk about their childhood. What happened? Oh, my mom said this. My dad said this. My teachers. Any any conversation, usually when there's a conflict or there is some kind of a disruption in a relationship, it takes you back to your childhood of what you knew before or what happened. And it creates those barriers that in disrupts the connection between a child and somebody uh, in your relationship, you know, somebody who's close to you and healing the world. You know, it sounds so big. It starts by zoning in, focusing in on the parent child relationship. That's how we start one parent, one child, one parent, one child, one home at a time. And it's not a small feat, but all we can do is start there and it starts from by working on our unhealed stuff, working, looking, looking at our inner world, our inner baggage, our landscape. And I would welcome parents to start there. Yeah, that's so good. And that even brings me back to the question we were talking about before is how can parents support each other in their connection with their kids? Because one of the most important ways I think we heal from all of our childhood experiences, traumas, whatever you want to call it, is in a loving relationship. So I think it's really important and valuable to be able to go to your spouse and say, this relationship with this child is really hard because it triggers, you know, this that happened to me and talking, being able to talk through it with a spouse so that it doesn't show up you know, I'm, I'm really working hard on my relationship with this child because, you know, I didn't have this type of relationship with my mom and I wish that I had or whatever. And so when you can work it through in an adult relationship like that and have, you know, feel seen and heard and supported and loved there, then it, it lessens its kind of grip on your, on your child relationship. That's such big freedom that you can do this for yourself, for your spouse and your children. Oh my gosh. It's a big gift for the people around you and mostly for yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. This time has been so great, Sabna. Will you tell the listeners where they can find out more about this conscious parenting that you teach and also your book from yelling to zenning? Yeah, sure. They can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Sapna Rad Coaching, my website, Sapna Rad, and they can sign up for my free conscious parenting toolkit. They get five ways to go from yelling to zenning for free when they sign up on my website. And my book is on Amazon Yelling to Zenning. Thank you so much, Monica. Yeah, thank you. If you had as much fun as we did just now, I hope that you'll head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a rating and review for the show or share it on social media. That's how other people can find this awesome content and we can spread the message that happily ever after is possible. Feel free to check out my website, monicatanner.com to find out more ways you can work with me. And as always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. We'll see you next week.